in your money today, Carolyn Roy takes a look at how markets might move in the course of uh, 2024. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. I'm joined for one of my regular Your Money chats today by Stephanie Lung, who is CIO at Stashaway. Today, we're going to find out about her outlook and top tips for investors for 2024. Thank you for joining me again today, Stephanie. Hi, Carolyn. Good to meet you again. So what is your outlook for 2024? How optimistic are you about markets? When we look at the economic data, uh, the data still suggests that we're in a phase where growth is slowing down. However, inflation is also coming down. So I guess compared to last year, the macroeconomic environment has definitely improved in a sense that there is progress towards uh, lowering inflation. And I think as we've spoken before, in an environment where inflation is high, that's when a diversified portfolio gets a bit tricky. Because if you think about the traditional asset classes, which includes uh, bonds and equities, both of them actually don't perform very well when there is high inflation because interest rate would be going higher, which means that bonds from a mark-to-market basis would suffer. And same goes for equities. However, as inflation starts to come down, we're seeing actually easier environment for a diversified portfolio. So so, for example, a traditional portfolio of 60% equities and 40% bonds have actually started to perform uh, better. I think this kind of environment is actually an um, easier environment to stay invested. Now, of course, this is kind of what's been happening in the last few months. And apart from looking at what the macroeconomic environment is, we also need to look at how the market is pricing in different scenarios. And here, I mean, we see some slight um, problem with how the equities market and also the interest rate markets are pricing in the near term interest rate path for the next few months. Because if you look at how the bond market is now pricing in Fed interest rate cuts, obviously the, the market is pricing in a first cut uh, at the Federal Reserve as early as March or kind of late uh, first quarter. In our view, that seems to be a bit premature because inflation, although it's coming down, is still fairly high. It's still way above uh, the Fed's 2% target. And also when we kind of dig deeper into what's causing the, this inflationary effects, it seems to us that some of the supply side inflation factors have not subsided. So on the backdrop of improving economic data, improving kind of inflation data, we think that there could be a, a choppier environment in the next few months uh, because of the market's expectation uh, already baking and quite a bit of easing at the Fed. The U.S. market, that's one of our favorite markets for the long term. Uh, obviously, when we look at the U.S. equities return, for example, over the past 30, 40 years, it has returned from roughly 11% per year. And there is a strong fundamental case of why the U.S. equities market would have returned 11% and perhaps returned a similar amount going forward. And when we deconstruct that 11% return, we can think about that in terms of different contributions. So first of all, when we think about equities return, the first thing that's obvious is that companies actually have earnings growth. So let's have a quick look outside of the U.S. Are, are there any interesting investment opportunities you're seeing uh, in Japan, for example? Japan has actually been an underperformer for decades. We all are very familiar with the loss kind of two decades from the Japanese economy. And if you look at Nikkei, we're still recovering from the, the peak it achieved in 1980. Now we're getting close to that. So there is a opportunity for Nikkei or for Japanese equities to reclaim where it has been four decades ago. Now, what is changing on the horizon in Japan is that the government has started to actually instill some regulations or guidelines for companies to start to improve their return on equities. 
And when companies actually start to improve their return on equities, typically investors award higher valuations for these companies. Secondly, in 2023, we've seen quite a bit of uh, foreign inflow into the Japanese market. Now, I think in 2024, what's uh, another factor for, for Japanese equities is that there are reforms at the Japanese local pensions, which uh, reduces some of the taxes for investing in equities. So, I mean, that creates another uh, tailwind for domestics investors to start putting money to work in equity markets. So these are also uh, tailwinds for Japanese equity markets. Let's move on to mainland China. There's been a lot of concerns about the economic recovery there post-pandemic, but the economy did grow 5.2% last year. But alongside that, we've got all of the concerns around the property market there. Is it time to consider investing in China or should we be steering clear? If you look at where valuation for Chinese equities is, obviously it's been a big laggard and also valuations are very, very cheap. When we look at China from an investor's point of view, what we want to get from China is obviously growth opportunities, right? Because at the end of the day, we're investing in China for the stronger growth compared to developed markets. Now, if we look at Chinese growth, it's been suffering from both some structural issues, as I think we, we've mentioned before, the clamp down on property, the clamp down on, on internet. I mean, these are significant sectors supporting the China economy. And if these sectors are actually uh, on a structural decline, uh, we need new industry to support the growth of the China economy. Now, there are pockets where things are actually growing very strongly. For example, China is investing a lot in renewable energies. Also, I think healthcare is another segment that is being heavily invested. However, if you look at uh, how the proportion of these newer growth areas in the economy, they are still quite small. So it takes time for them to actually displace the traditional sectors like banking, like, like property. So that's a structural issue. And on top of that, we had some cyclical issues in the Chinese economy in the sense that if you look at um, real interest rates in China, which is the government uh, interest rates minus inflation, real interest rate in China is actually quite high. So meaning that monetary condition is actually quite tight. And the reason for that is because China has been going through not inflation, but actually deflation. We would love to see actually inflation data to start to tick higher, uh, meaning that China is out of deflationary fear. That actually creates a better environment for Chinese equities. So we're still monitoring the data. It's not there yet, but I think things are moving in the right direction. Let's take a look now at emerging markets, places like India. How interesting are they looking to you? India, surprisingly, or actually maybe not surprisingly, it's been one of the best markets, one of the best performing markets globally in terms of equities. So I talked about the U.S. market, actually India market over the past 20 years also slightly outperformed the U.S. market and returned also roughly 11 to 12 percent per year. Obviously, uh, India is an emerging market, so there is growth to be rewarded for long-term investors. However, if you look at India, there has been two major issues for facing foreign investors. The number one issue is that India has been under-investing in its infrastructure, and that has limited its growth potential to a certain degree. And I think for all of us who have traveled in India, I, I think it's pretty obvious that India actually needs a lot more infrastructure investments. The change that we see on the horizon is that the government since two, three years ago have started investing heavily in infrastructure. And I think, I mean, given that change in policy, it could help to raise productivity even more for India as a whole. So that's a good change. 
The other good change on the horizon is that historically, as a foreign investor, the Indian currency depreciation has been detracting from investment returns. The reason why the currency has been depreciating was because inflation in India has historically been quite high, so to the tunes of uh, high single digits. I mean, not to mention that uh, population growth in India is actually one of the most favorable globally. Uh, we're actually quite optimistic about India on a structural basis. Finally, have you got some top tips for investors for navigating the markets this year? Every year I give actually the same tip because despite what the year may bring, and as always, I say we try our best to predict what's going to happen, but none of us have a crystal ball. So what we say at the beginning of the year, if we look back, there's always things that we got right, but there are always things that we got wrong. And as investors, we just have to be very, very humble and accept that fact. However, it doesn't mean that there aren't tools that help investors to navigate the market and stay invested. My favorite tool is actually dollar cost averaging, which means that basically you allocate part of your income to a investment portfolio and do it on a consistent basis. A lot of our investors do it on a monthly basis. That's what I do as well. I think being consistent and staying in the market helps you to reap benefits in the long term. Top tips there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Stephanie Lung, CIO at Stashaway. Thank you.